Almighty God, we are your humble servants. We are your unworthy servants, and we give you humble thanks for all your goodness to us, for our creation, for our preservation, and all the blessings that you give us each day. But we give you a special thanks for the redemption of the entire world, for all people and all creation, through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I want to begin uh, with a little word to any children who might be joining us. If you are at all like my children, then you are probably learning from home and you're probably spending a lot more time with your family than you usually do. And so I have a question for you to maybe reflect on while I'm talking, and that's this. I wonder how God has been helping your family through this time. How have you seen God helping you in your schoolwork, with your neighbors that you might see out your window, over your dinner hour and times you're spending with brothers and sisters and your parents? How have you seen God helping you during this time? And I wonder if you could take some time to write down your thoughts or to draw some pictures of what exactly that's looked like for your family. And then I would encourage you to take some time, maybe tonight before you go to bed or tomorrow morning at breakfast, maybe you want to share your words or your pictures with your family. And I just encourage you to take some time with your family to talk about how you've seen God helping you during the season. It can sometimes be really hard to take time to remember how God is with us and helping us in every moment. And so sometimes it just takes a moment to pause and reflect on that. So I just want you to take some time to think about that in the next few minutes and then to share that with your family. So I am going to preach on Deuteronomy. I don't usually preach on the Old Testament, but I love the lectionary because it forces you to go to places you didn't you wouldn't usually maybe go on your own. And what I love about the Bible, there's so many things to love, but one of the things I love that you find in this reading is that the Bible takes something that you take as a really straightforward question, and it turns it on its head, or it sends you into some direction you haven't expected. And that's just what we find today in our reading for Deuteronomy. So this entire book is Moses right before the people of Israel go into this land that's been promised to them, that they've been wandering around in the wilderness for a generation anticipating. And he is giving them his last great speech before he sends them off into Israel, before he dies. So this is his last words to them. And in this part, he's reciting the verse part of the law and telling them how important it is to remember what God has done for them. And he's telling them about how important it is to tell the next generations what God has done. And he's telling them here exactly how they should do that. And so this starts with a question that a child might ask. And it says, the child says to the parent, what commandments has, the, has God given to us? Right? How are we supposed to organize our life? And what you would think 
is a pretty straightforward question. You would think would result in a pretty straightforward answer, right? It would be a recitation back of the law, maybe the Shema. But instead, what happens is that the teacher, the parent, comes back and says, well, actually, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you the story of the Exodus and how we were slaves in Egypt and God rescued us and how he's about to give us a land of our own. So my question when I'm reading something like this is, well, why the right, why the, why the turn? Why, why the turn away from the question? Why not just answer the question? What is that that scripture is trying to tell us in not answering the question that we think we should be answering, right? And as I was thinking about this this week, the answer I came up with was that I think it's because we actually have the questions out of order. Or maybe we're not starting at the right point. Maybe the right question to start with is not what we're supposed to do, but it's something else. And so to get us on track to where I think the writer of Deuteronomy really wants us to be, I'm actually going to read you just a little snippet from one of my favorite books. Hopefully some kids out there have this, the Jesus Storybook Bible. So... I know it's for kids. It's one of my favorite books. So I'm going to read you just a little bit of a snippet because I think it helps get at what the writer of Deuteronomy is trying to get us to. It says this. Now some people think that the, book, the Bible is a book of rules telling us what we should and shouldn't do. And the Bible certainly does have rules in it. And they show us how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing but it's about God and what he has done. The Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes, though it has those. Rather, the the Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his throne and everything to rescue the one that he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy trails that has come true in real life. And all the stories in the Bible are really telling us one big story. And that's the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. This is where the writer of Deuteronomy wants us to begin. Not with a dry recitation of the law that's devoid of any context. He wants us to begin with the glorious and magnificent reminder of who God is and what he has done for each and every one of us. Because it's only when you understand what God, who God is and what he's done for you that you can have a meaningful conversation about the law and how you're to live in the world. Because how can you begin to talk about what it means to act justly if you don't know the God who is just? Or how can we as a culture have any sort of conversation about how we exercise freedom if we don't have any, we don't have the God who has set us free as our reference point? And how can I begin to say anything about happiness or love if I don't talk about the God who is love and the source of every moment of happiness I've ever experienced? Hmm? How is that possible? Well, Deuteronomy says you can't. You can't know who you are, and you can't know how you're to live apart from God. 
And so it says, let's start any conversation about the law at the proper point, which is a reminder of what God has done for us, for each and every one of us, and us as a collective people. Then we can talk about God's commandments. But why, why risk exasperating a child by not answering the question directly? I mean, I've done this, it doesn't go well, right? <laughs> if I try to have a, my kid asks me a straightforward question and I try to have a teachable moment, nine times out of 10, that doesn't go well. <laughs> so why, why someone who's modeling teaching, why would they take the trouble to turn off? Well, it's because as Moses warns us throughout this book, he says, the consequences of forgetting who God is are deadly, right? It's not just, the consequences are not slight. You will die. You cannot have life apart from the person who gives you the law, which is God. And if you forget God or lose sight of what he's done, you're also going to lose your sense of identity. And you'll lose your sense of purpose. It reminds me, I was thinking this week, when we first moved to Thailand, my daughter was two years old. She's almost six now. And um, with every passing year, because we moved here when she was so young, she doesn't really have a solid American identity, right? She just doesn't identify as American. And, um, and actually, the longer we live here, she identifies more as Thai because all of her classmates are Thai at school. And so that's, she now speaks Thai. And so that's how she identifies. And um, this summer, this point was especially brought home to all of us because when we came back to the United States, we came back around the 4th of July and we went to the fireworks with my parents and the, national, the American National Anthem played. And Elisa said, what is that song they're playing and why is everyone standing up? And she goes, my son goes, oh, it's the American National Anthem. She goes, oh, like the Thai National Anthem. And then she stands up and breaks into the Thai National Anthem. and. Um, you know, we all thought it was really funny, except for my oldest son, who was just, he's 10, and he was just completely bothered by this. He was like, how does she not have any sense of who she is? And he was just really troubled by this. And so the next day, he had us all go to the public library, and he checked out every book on American history he could find. And he was trying to, you know, with a four-year-old, trying to tell her about the Declaration of Independence and the War of Revolution and our Civil War and Civil Rights Movement. And of course, it was just going straight over head. Um, because of course it doesn't connect, right? She's had this whole experience that shaped her sense of identity and it's all happened in Thailand. So, you know, you can tell her all the facts and the, and read all the books you want, but her experience is Thai. And so she now thinks of herself as Thai. And so that's just the way it is. And I think that's the point that Deuteronomy is making too, that you can have rules that help shape your identity. But if you don't have a story and you don't have an experience that anchors you, then it's really hard to let go of all the facts and the figures and the rules. Um, and so what it's saying is that the Israelites were slaves, but now you're this treasured possession. You're this holy nation and you need to hold on to that identity because it reshapes how you see yourself. It shapes how you see your purpose in the world. But of course, as we all know, it's really hard to get over, it's easy to get overly comfortable. Or in this moment, it's really easy to be disoriented. We have lots of distractions. You know, work while we're remote from it 
actually can sometimes feel more overwhelming than it felt before when we were in office buildings. You know, our hobbies, I mean, sometimes all I can do is knit to get out of this moment. You know, I've knitted enough scarves that I think my family's gonna wonder if I've got a little crazy. Or, you know, my studies, I can immerse myself in those, or I can spend all my time on Zoom calls trying to catch up with everyone around the world that I'm worried with. Or maybe getting more engaged politically is going to be the answer. But I think what Deuteronomy and what the experience of Israel is telling us is that those we're filling our emptiness with the wrong things. And we need to allow the story of how God has rescued us and saved us to be the shaping narrative of our lives. Because as Christians, we too have taken on a new identity. And with it, we've taken on a new purpose in the world. We've taken on a will that we might not have taken on for ourselves. We make decisions. We see things that we might not have seen before we became Christians. And that's what shapes us now. And that's really the wisdom of Deuteronomy 6, 20 to 25. It reminds us to keep the things in our life in the right order. It reminds us that we need to stay anchored to who God is and what he has done so that in moments that are disorienting or confusing or saddening, we can stay anchored to who God is and what he has done for each of us. And and we do that so that we can remember who we are and why we do what we do. The question of how we're to live then only comes after we've been refreshed in the knowledge of how with great power God has brought each and every one of us out of slavery of some form, right? And it's only because we desire to live lives that reflect our status as God's treasured possessions. And because we desire to give thanks to God with all that we have and all that we are, that we now can come back to the question of what are the commandments that God has given to us? And the answer, right, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your mind, with all of your being, with all your strength, so that it may go well for you and that he might preserve you. And so walking in the light of God's great goodness to each and every one of us, I pray that we might find his law and his commandments to be a delight that lead us to abundant life in him. Amen.